Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. I'm your host, Dominic Vogel, and joining me, as always, is Mr. Christian Redshaw. Christian, how are you doing? Mr. Co-host. Mr. Co-host Christian Redshaw. <laughs> I am masking a lack of sleep, but I feel actually quite good considering the circumstances. Well, it's a very lifelike mask you're wearing there, so it's uh, it's uh, you're doing a good job. Uh, good job there. Um, Listen, who would we have as a guest? Let's uh, let's get to the yeah. get to the point here. <laughs> who we're we bringing in today? It's not a sleep expert, no. but it is someone joining us all the way from Tel Aviv. Uh, it is Victoria Kavilovich. She is the director of threat research at the Kayla Group. Um, I think she's going to be a very interesting guest. I mean, we have it's Great. been a while since we've had someone who really knows the ins and outs of uh, threat research and in cybersecurity. So we'll take a pause here and we'll bring her on. Let's do it. Victoria, thank you so much for joining us all the way from Tel Aviv. And thank you for coming on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. How are you doing today? Great. How are you? Well, I'm doing well. How about you? Doing fantastic. We're both doing fantastic. <laughs> Ready to dive in? Uh, yeah. We're, we're just starting our day, and we know you're at the, the tail end of your, uh, your day, but I uh, thought maybe we could just start off uh, with a fairly straightforward question. Maybe you could tell our, our audience and listeners a little bit more about yourself and your career journey to date. Uh, yeah, sure. So I'm a director of threat research at Kela, and this is a cybersecurity firm which is based in Israel. And I'm working at Kala for more than two years, and I've started my career in cybersecurity a little over than three years ago. And before that, I was working as a business journalist. As you can probably judge from my accent, I grew up in Russia, and I was working as a journalist in Russia. Then I moved to Israel and started this, this wonderful journey in cybersecurity. Amazing. Thank, thank you for sharing that. And uh, um, maybe to just start off at a higher micro uh, or macro level, I should say, um, you know, one of the areas that you specialize and focus on is cybercrime. And um, I'm wondering just, just if you could maybe just um, illustrate to our listeners and viewers, many of which still struggle to understand the concept of cybercrime. Um, wondering if you could just lay out a high level, you know, where, what, what is cybercrime? You know, is it amateurs? Is it professionals? Uh, what does that currently, what does it currently look like in the world today? Uh, so yes, of course, we treat it as professionals, uh, and the cybercrime underground is something that is changing each day, each hour, and we see that in the in the recent years, it has become an organized cybercrime ecosystem, which is which includes many different uh, sources and many different uh, forums and markers and auto shops. So generally speaking. Uh, we can say that uh, it is a place, if we can call it like that, in the internet, uh, also in dark web and in clear web, where different cyber criminals from all over the world can uh, sell your data, uh, leak your data, can post hacking methods and tools, can post some financial and personal information of your customers, of your employees. Um, they can share information that was received uh, following some attacks, for example, ransomware attacks and all of that. And of course, when we are talking about dark web and cybercrime ecosystem, uh, it's really important to understand that uh, it includes a lot of cyber criminals. And in the recent years, we see that it's getting to be more diversified, meaning that uh, each cyber criminal has its own niche and can do its own part of work. And all in all, it becomes so-called supply chain that some attackers can use. So it means they don't necessarily need to be really skilled 
into attack an organization from the beginning by themselves because they can use many services that are offered in this cybercrime and dark web ecosystem. Very interesting. So, Victoria, would you say that it's right to say that organized cybercrime is very much like run like a like a big organization? Uh, yeah, I would even say it runs like like a business. Like and a you business. can take yeah uh, one of the recent examples uh, if you're familiar with ransomware named Conti. So you know that uh, th there was a huge leak of internal data of this ransomware. And it enabled us to understand how it was built. And it was built like a usual company. It has it had different teams. Some of them were even working together physically in the office in Moscow. So uh, it's it's really, like you said, it's really looking like uh, a company, an organization. That is fascinating. So can we talk a little bit about the the techniques and the types of attacks that you're seeing these days, what would you say are the top one or two or three cyber attack uh, types or techniques that these cyber criminal networks are using right now? I want to emphasize that we are usually trying to mitigate the attacks, uh, the other full scale attacks. So most of the information that we see in the cyber crime underground is related to the initial stage of the attacks. For example, they are markets of compromised credentials and uh, cookies and fingerprints from your browser that can be used by cyber criminals to conduct a full-scale attack. For example, I think you've heard uh, an attack on electronic arts that started with a stolen cookie, which was purchased online, and then it was used by um, uh, by attackers to log into Slack of the company and then to trick employees, and then eventually to get their way into, into the data service of the company and steal data. So that's one example of something that is traded in, in, in dark web and cybercrime ecosystem that can be used. Uh, I would say that leaked credentials, meaning that credentials that originate from some third-party breaches are also a very serious threat because just imagine, um, some of your employees used corporate credentials to some site that wasn't fully protected. And then these credentials and site his password were leaked. And then some other cyber criminal can just find it in cybercrime uh, ecosystem and use it to uh, send phishing, to perform social engineering, uh, to maybe use in brute force uh, against your assets using the same, the same passwords. Uh, so I would say it's, it's a second type. And of course, one that we are really closely tracking recently is, uh, is called network access. And this is something that enables uh, a cyber criminal to remotely access your organization. And we see that uh, actors who are selling this network access uh, we call them initial access brokers. Mm -hmm. uh, they become a really important part in the supply chain of the ransomware organizations. Uh, so this is uh, the third type of the information that we are really closely tracking. And we try to understand based on that, what could be the next victim of, of ransomware gang. And, um, um Victoria, you know, uh, I know you, you mentioned before we uh, uh, started, you know, about uh, how Kayla has uh, a ransomware 
report, um, I guess you're doing deeper analysis and, and, and insights in terms of how ransomware is evolving. It's certainly evolved over the past few years. Um, maybe just diving in specifically in, in, into ransomware. Uh, what does a ransomware situation look like right now? Um, where is it going uh, in, in terms of um, uh, how it's evolving? Just curious in terms of what, what sort of being uh, what you guys were seeing in your most recent report. Uh, yes, so we just have a fresh report about the, the second quarter of this year and about the activity of ransomware and extortion actors. Uh, and first of all, it's uh, it's not going anywhere that like it's not going to end. And I'm sorry <laughs> to say um, what we see that there is a lot of development in the groups and in the way they operate. First of all, the word ransomware is not even relevant for all the attacks right now because, of course, there are ransomware actors that we all know, that we heard about. They use malware that encrypts the network of the organization and they steal data and they um, perform what is called double extortion attacks. So they want ransom both for uh, decrypting your files and both for not releasing your stolen uh, data. But what is Super interesting in that uh, all other cyber criminals understood how profitable uh, this uh, this sphere is, and we see some actors that we call extortion or data leak actors. They are not necessarily using the actual malware, the actual ransomware, but they attack the company in the same way. They use uh, the same supply chains, and they also run data leak sites where they can release the name of the victim. So in general, they operate in the same manner. And uh, it's uh, it's an interesting uh, trend that more and more actors are joining the ransomware scene. As I mentioned, because of the diversified structure of cybercrime ecosystem, it's really easy for them to find some uh, some ways to just pay to someone and and do their job for them. For example, to sell to them initial access to network. And then what they need is to move laterally through network, to encrypt it, to store the files, but they have the initial access and, and this is important. And we also see that it, it, this is actually one of the key points of our uh, latest report that some extortion groups used some humanization models. So for example, there is uh, one which is called uh, Ransom House, and they uh, say that they are not actually attacking networks, they are just facilitating the process of negotiations. So it can mean that they work with different ransomware gangs and they aggregate the information that was stolen by them. Uh, and they become some sort of mediator between these teams. And of course, they also gain, uh, gain their profits. Um, we've also seen that some of the ransomware and, and extortion actors are really using the, the, their attacks to attack partners and vendors of the compromised company. For example, we were able to access a chat, a negotiation chat with one of the uh, ransomware gangs. And they literally said to the company that they were speaking with that we we didn't attack you first. We attack we attacked your your partner, and then using his infrastructure, we were able to infiltrate your network. And now we have all your data, and we want ransom. And we know that they were paid at least by one company that was attacked during this attack. So ransomware and extortion actors are just looking for 
all possible ways to gain money. It includes the intimidation <clears throat> method. You can call your partners. They can print ransom notes on printer in your company because they have access. Um, so I would say that, that this is the most interesting trend that they are constantly developing. Wow. Wow. Well, th thank you for, sh for sharing that. And you know, when, uh, we'll be sure to share the uh, link to that most recent uh, report when the, when the podcast comes out. And, um, one more question for, for me, Victoria, um, just wondering if you could just expand a bit more on Kayla in terms of, uh, who the company serves and uh, are there certain types of organizations? Um, just so again, for our, our viewers and listeners to better understand uh, what it is that Kayla does and who they serve. Uh, yes, sure. So we are experts in dark web cybercrime intelligence. Uh, we have a technological solution that enables our clients to um, to perform external attack surface management, meaning that it enables clients to monitor cybercrime sources for essential organizational assets. And we also uh, have a solution for gathering and producing cybercrime threat intelligence meaning that our platforms allow to investigate and analyze cybercrime threats anonymously in real time. So most of our clients are based in the US, in Japan, in Europe. Uh, usually these are big organizations mm. that have a lot of assets and they need to constantly monitor what's going on with these assets in, in cybercrime ecosystem. Um, of course, I can't drop any names, but I can say that uh, it can be financial sector, telecommunication sector, law enforcement, and uh, and of course other sectors. But these are one of the most important ones for us. I do have one more wild card question for you, Victoria, and uh, we can edit it out if you don't like the question. <laughs> but uh, I'm thinking you've probably seen a lot of crazy things when you're doing threat intelligence. You're probably seeing a lot of lot of wild stuff that would blow people's minds. Um, what is the craziest thing that you have seen when it comes to cyber criminals or, or a particular cyber attack? Is there something that comes to your mind? I would say, uh, I know we say something which is not really the, the focus of Kela or our expertise, uh, but it happened recently when we were doing some research on uh, alleged Ukrainian weapons being sold on dark web. And again, it's not our area of expertise, but we were asked to help in investigation and we did that. And of course we ended up on a lot of uh, scary sites related to weapons, murders and, and all of this. And on one of the sites, I found out that rape is less expensive than castration. So that was really crazy in, in from all the points of view. It gets dark. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Oh, the, uh, um, Victoria, we're, we're, we're very grateful for you for coming on the, on the show today, for sharing your wisdom, your expertise and, and insights, uh, extremely, extremely interesting stuff. And we're, we're very, very grateful, uh, that you came, uh, to join us and thank you for taking time of your evening <laughs> to join us on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Krish and I will be right back to wrap up today's episode. Very, very insightful episode. Um, you can tell Victoria knows her stuff. Absolutely. You know the, the the way she was laying out the trends, what she's seeing, where things are going. Uh, I thought the ransomware analysis was extremely 
interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think it's an important reminder to all our listeners and, and viewers about how ransomware is not a static threat. Right? It's mm-hmm. extremely dynamic. It's constantly evolving, constantly changing. And not going anywhere. And like she said, it's not going away anytime soon. Right? So I think there's some really interesting um, intelligence that she shared uh, with us today. But uh, what was one of your key takeaways? Two things. First, it's crazy to think that there are people with the job description of extortion actors that are there trying to extort people around the clock in different time zones. Mm -hmm. That's a little bit scary. Um, The second thing is it just highlights this whole uh, third party risk management, the idea of people attacking in organized groups, organized cybercrime groups, your supply chain, your business partners. It's very uh, scary reality that we need to figure out how to deal with. Absolutely. You know, and we're, we're very grateful to Victoria uh, for joining us today. And we're very grateful to Holly Hitchcock uh, for connecting us with Victoria. Um, and we hope that uh, everyone enjoyed today's episode. And as always, I want to extend a special thank you to our loyal listeners and viewers who join us each and every week. And if you did miss an episode, please do check out the Cybersecurity Matters YouTube page uh, or check out a uh, missed uh, podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Uh, until next time, be well and be safe. And we'll see you again next time on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. Thank you.